Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. I'm here with Paige and we're here for our monthly Q&A. Hey everybody. We hope you all are enjoying fall. Spooky season is here. Paige, do you have your Halloween decorations up? No, I actually, so as much as I love Halloween, I don't have a ton of Halloween decorations. What? Why is that shocking to me? That is very I know. shocking. To I me. know because I live for the spooky life. That's you do. Why. And you're always sharing spooky Ooh. life. I know but, you actually, I have mine up. I don't have a ton, but I have it up already. And I was so proud of myself. So, cause I'm somewhat prepared for life. Um, no, look what I did. This is how spooky I am. Cute. Did you draw that? So I drew this this week to put in a spooky Halloween package for a friend. Will you describe for our non-video viewers what this is? Uh, a ghost (laughs) holding the sheet up. I don't know why I'm doing arm motions like they can see it it with fishnets. (laughs) Fishnet stocking. Yeah. Yes. And maybe, like a, maybe, right. I don't know, but we got fishnet stockings, maybe a corset. I don't even know, but it's just like the hips down. Yeah. It's, it's a person under, underneath a sheet being a ghosty. I so can. I'm, oh, go ahead. I'm hella spooky. That's all it's going to say. I cannot wait to share my Halloween costume with all of you. And I can't decide if I want to tell you all about it or if I just want to surprise you with it. Is it an individual costume or is it a family costume? It is an individual costume. I'm doing my own thing this year and it is very much my thing. (gasps) I can't wait. I'm so excited. Don't tell me. I'm not going to tell you. I think I don't post no pictures or nothing. Um, I was, I never do a family costume, but I want to do a family costume this year and I want to be a snack basket. Love it. (laughs) I want all of my kids to pick their favorite snacks. And then one person in the family can be like King Candy from Wreck-It Ralph. I think maybe that needs to be Zane. I don't know. I think I'm more of a king sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I could see it. I could see it. I I run it. (laughs) But happy spooky season. Yes. (laughs) Yes, there's a new Hocus Pocus next weekend. (gasps) Yeah. Priorities. Priorities. I will be watching that and I will be eating popcorn and I will be living my best life. Me too. And I'm going the first week in October, I'm going to Phoenix to become an EMDR specialist, which is super cool. Um, or children's, I can't remember what it's called. I'm not good with that shit that like (laughs) that title shit. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just here. So anyway, I'm doing a specialized training in EMDR for kids. So stoked on it. And we have to do, it's pretty intense. I was was not aware. Like you have to do all this pre-training for the intensive training. And so it's like nine hours of training and they're doing all like the groundwork and I'm already like a basic EMDR person, whatever. I don't know what you call it. Okay. Um, Mm -hmm. but all of the prep work is nervous system stuff. And so I'm so happy (gasps) that it's like, I feel like the therapy world is more towards kind of where I've been and incorporating nervous system work and how everything kind of comes from our nervous system. So 
very excited. But anyway, I'm going with a girlfriend of mine that is also a therapist. And I think we're going to stay in an Airbnb and probably just been Chocos Pocus too. Yes. Uh, if you don't do that, I don't know that we could be friends anymore. I mean, you're kind of a badass for all the training, but like, if you can't get down with Hocus Pocus on repeat. Yeah. And I also need you to send me, this is a total side note, and we might have to edit this out, the name of that pretzel place in Phoenix, because <gasps> oh my girl gosh. loves a salted pretzel with cheese. It is my favorite snack ever. And um, you always are posting them. Okay. Okay. All the time. Everyone that lives in Arizona, my, one of my closest friends, also a business badass, um, owns the Salted Knot in Arizona. It's the Salted Knot is what it's called. Oh. And they're total rock stars. And it started as a business, you know, like out of their house, like a cottage kitchen situation. And then they eventually got into a commercial kitchen and they do wholesale and you can still do drive up and pick up orders at their commercial kitchen. Anyways, they're fantastic. Um, and they are in Tempe. So the Salted Knot, yes. plug. Shameless plug. Please. It's delicious. And they I'm, make vegan. I'm coming for you, salted knot. Tell them I sent you. I will. Will you? Yes. Do it. <laughs> Paige is my girl. That's right. If you're like, so can I get some sweet discounts? And they'll be like, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, you're going to pay double. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, let's get into these questions. Yes, it is our monthly Q&A. So we answer audience questions from our private Facebook group. If you don't know what it is, Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting on Facebook. It is a private community of mothers where we uplift and encourage each other slash off of our Instagram. So here we go. Oh, okay. Um, I have a question for my friend. Her daughter is 15. And I think that she tried to be the daughter's friend first and her mom second in a way. Now her daughter does whatever she wants, vapes in the house, drinks all of her mom's alcohol. Oops. What would be the best way to rein in these behaviors? Ooh. Damn. I'm having uh, flashbacks. I know. <laughs> I was telling my nanny about my college years and then I instantly regretted all of my college years. Okay. Um, well, I think so when you haven't had firm expectations and boundaries or any expectations and boundaries from the beginning that usually comes from a place of fear of disappointing or upsetting your kids. And so when you try and be your mm -hmm. kid's friend, you're usually most people that I've worked with that try and be their kid's friend get uncomfortable when their kids are upset with them or they can't tolerate that. And so that's why they are more the friend than the parent. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that you're going to piss your kid off and mm -hmm. you got to learn to be uncomfortable is the first step because any parenting changes are never going to work until you get comfortable with them being mad at you. That's where I'm going to start. With them you. being mad at you. Period. Um, I have never felt more emotionally terrorized one by my three-year-old and two by my 13 year old niece when she came and stayed with me for a weekend I was like, what in the holy terror is this? And she's a fantastic kid, but I was not ready for the emotional roller coaster I would experience when she gave me the silent treatment because I turned off her internet at 11 o'clock at night because she was DMing men on Instagram. I was like, oh, hell to the double L no. And I shut it off. And 
it was so uncomfortable because she was like, Aunt Paige, why don't I, why isn't my internet working? I was like, well, so when I got on my phone last night, you forgot to log out of your Instagram and I saw that you were messaging men late into the evening slash, you know, 2 a.m. I was like, and that's not safe behavior. So we decided that it would be best if we turned the internet off to the devices every night at 10 o'clock and it would come back on at seven in the morning. And she was like, oh my God, it's so controlling. I was like super mad and then gave me the silent treatment for like eight hours straight. Yep. And you had to learn to be comfortable with her being mad at you. Yeah. And it was probably the most emotionally dysregulated I had felt in a really long time. And I had been raising toddlers, you know? So I think part of that too comes like when we are parenting teens, we want to try almost really hard where we swing the opposite direction on the pendulum, where we're not trying to recreate the same emotions, experiences, or memories that we didn't appreciate as teenagers. Right. So then we we're swinging really far over. And I even had a conversation with somebody literally right before this. So this is so much serendipity of the universe today. We talked about how sometimes the best approach would be collaborating with your team. So call yourself out. Be like, hey, you know, I have really been trying to, you know, be your bestie. And I recognize that it's not really a healthy relationship for you or me as your mom. So I want to make some changes in the household. These are the things that I'm thinking. And this is um, what I'm thinking of changing. Tell me your thoughts on that. Like, where are you at with that? You know, and letting them have a say in input. So that way there's more buy-in and they still have a level of autonomy, but now we're restructuring the roles in the house. So you're taking more of a parental role. Love it. And I love including them in the conversation so that it's not like you show up one day and you're a hard ass all of a sudden. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. (laughs) But they, they knew the boundaries were shifting. They helped in creating the new boundaries. And I think in this discussion, even if they disagree with the boundaries and say, I don't like any of these boundaries, you're able to say, okay, I understand that. And these roles are going into place because of safety, because of all Mm -hmm. the things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's good. And hopefully the teen is responsive and there's enough of a existing relationship that you can use that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will also just have some self-disclosure here where boundaries alone are very exhausting for me as an individual. Yes, I'm a therapist and yes, I work on boundaries, but having to create and sustain boundaries when people are pushing against them can be really emotionally exhausting and trying for me. And teenagers and are the worst because they never teenagers, stop uh-huh, pushing uh-huh, them. They uh-huh, just push exactly. and push and push and push until you give in. Exactly. But don't so we're not going to give in. And I want you to know that it's normal to be uncomfortable and exhausted with it. And that there is going to be some tension in the creation of boundaries. Anytime you create boundaries, the people that benefit from you not having boundaries will become upset. There will be a response. So I want you to prep yourself and anticipate that. Can I share a quick like story with you? No. Well, not, it's not a story. It's like an example. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it is. Okay. Sorry. So you... <laughs> I'm still going. Do you see how I like just didn't even just skip go. a beat? I just, just kept go. going. Um, <laughs> if you tell a teenager to be home at midnight, 
and they show up at 12.01 and, or 12.03 and you don't say anything, what happens next time? They come home at 12.05? Yeah. And then pretty soon it's 12.10, 12.15, Mm -hmm. 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you're setting these new boundaries, you're going to have to be more firm in the beginning and there will be more pushback because they're going to see how far they can push you. And if this is a legit real boundary. Mm -hmm. So if you set a boundary and say it's the 12 o'clock curfew and they come home at 1201 and you say, hey, the curfew was 12. If this happens again, this will happen or yes. whatever. And then if it does, you follow through with whatever you said you would do. Mm -hmm. They are seeing that you're not budging on that boundary. Yes. And then usually after that, they're kind of like, okay, well, I'll just come home at midnight like I'm supposed to. Yeah. So doing this shows them, and you're going to have to go through this process. They'll probably push the boundary. They'll probably have to have some kind of natural consequence or consequence for pushing the boundary. And then usually they'll settle into the boundary. Yeah. And also just to throw out there, I typically use a first offense as a learning opportunity, right? Kind of like you said. So I set the boundary. It's 12 o'clock. They come home at 12.03. I'm not immediate. Like that's it. No homecoming. You're grounded for three weeks. Give me your phone. Don't leave your room. You can have bread and water. I'm like, Hey, I recognize that, you know, you broke the rules basically. And I want you to know that I see it, I see you, and I expect better. And if better doesn't come, this will be the consequence. This is the clear expectation. Yes. So, so that way there is no miscommunication, no misunderstanding. And anyone that has teens knows that every teenager thinks they're a lawyer and can negotiate the loopholes and life out of anybody. So the more that you can approach it with logic and clear communication with clear expectations understood by all parties the more successful your attempts will be. Yes. And then when they come home at 1205, you're like, you knew what was going to happen. You That's knew right. it. And then you don't have to get emotional. You don't have to argue and fight. You can just be like, this is what it was. That's what we talked about. I'm going to bed. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, do you have anything else to add for that question? Um, I just briefly want to share that there are differences and consequences. Okay. I'm sure a lot of you guys know this or you've heard us preach it, but there are logical consequences and there are natural consequences. And so different consequences are appropriate for different scenarios. And if you want to dig more into that, please reach out to us um, and we can do a problem solving session or we can just answer some basic questions on what that means. Because being able to tie in natural or logical consequences into your discipline structure could be really life changing for your relationships. Yes. I love this. Yes. And if they make sense to your child and to you, um, they tend to give you less pushback. Yeah. They respond better because it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. Ready? Yes. My children's father won't answer their calls to him and won't communicate with <sighs> me or them. And then gets mad when he doesn't know what's going on. My children are not fond of their dad due to his own actions, how can I try and repair the situation? Mm. You can't. You yeah, you can't. can't. This is the worst part about co-parenting or as a therapist working with families that co-parent because it's like, you cannot micromanage the behaviors of the other parent. Like you could barely do it when you were together, right? Probably, because that's my experience. But then you for sure as hell can't do it when you're not together. And that is the hardest part because you can see all of the effects on the kids. 
Yes, 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 yes. And sometimes the best thing you can do is support your kids with the other parent because you cannot control what the other parent does or how the they are going to res- respond, show up. And you can just help them learn to cope with the reality of how the other parent is. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm going to also piggyback off of that. So basically what Lindsay is saying is like, your children sound like they're old enough to have formed an opinion of the relationship. They have a view and opinion of it. And so we are taking a supportive advocating stance for where your children are at. We're not interjecting an opinion of like, yeah, your dad's an asshole or whatever. Okay. But we are supporting your children and what they're comfortable with in their communication. So if they decide that they don't want to talk to him, we're supporting them and they want to talk to him. And then we can serve as a buffer in some way when dad's like, but they don't want to talk to me. And he's like, you know, I supporting them in what they're wanting to do. And also I think learning to cope with the reality that like dad's not going to be able to show up for them in the way they need. So like, yes, Mm -hmm. it feels really unfair that your dad is upset at you because he doesn't know what's going on in your life, but then he doesn't answer when you call what, and and just like holding space for that and saying like, I know it's probably hard to have a dad like that. And there's Mm -hmm. some grief there and just being that support person without inserting. And this is the hardest part in co-parenting. I think I haven't had to do it, but I'm just going to take a guess. I've, I've worked with people long enough that it's like taking your own emotions and feelings about that other parent out of, out of it. So it's either you have feelings still about the relationship you had with that person, which is normal, or you're pissed because they hurt your kid. Yes. (laughs) And that's what I I see more often is you're just, you're just mad. They hurt your kid and you want to be like, you, your dad doesn't deserve you. He's such a dick or whatever you want to say. Don't mm-hmm. say that. Help them learn to cope with a dad that isn't showing up for them. And yes, exactly. That's what I was going to say the, from the families that I've worked with. It just hurts the parent that is involved so much because they can't micromanage or control the behaviors of the co-parent. And we see that it's going to have negative effects on the kiddos. And so it's like you can't control what that will look like or control what their experience or effective that will be, but you can mitigate it. And by that, I mean, continue to be a supportive um, attachment figure in their life that validates those emotions, that makes space for them to feel heard, to continue that secure attachment. And you will mitigate some of the negative consequences of the experience, but you won't be able to stop it completely or control what that looks like for them. Yes. I'm so sorry. I know. It hurts my heart. Yeah, that's a really hard, hard place to be in. Okay. Ready for the next one? Ready. Okay. Um, do, do, do. Hold on. I got to find it. Cause I'm like not organized. I've got like some in my Instagram stories, some, you know, well, this is a perfect opportunity for me to slip in a question. What are some strategies that you have adapted to overcome some of your ADHD symptoms as a parent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You. So I have, I have rituals more instead of routines or I have like a menu of things. So I do generally the same thing, but it may not always be in the same order or it might look different depending on my mood. And then Mm -hmm. it's a lot of giving myself permission to not do things the neurotypical way. 
like I'm allowed to have like it's cool that my Google Drive is a shit show because they have this really cool search feature and I can just like type it in except for when you're trying to upload a podcast episode sorry Paige about that (laughs) you can't find it anywhere but like letting go of like placing and I don't know if this is a strategy that I've adapted but like letting go of placing that expectation on myself and then finding strategies that work for me so like and I play around a lot I try new things a lot with like my calendar Mm -hmm. with and Mm -hmm. with all that to just see like what's going to flow best for my brain and trying not to get stuck in just like doing it the way someone says I could do it I put a laundry basket in my kitchen because it's the uh you've been in my house you know it's like this um passing point right like um between like where the kids shower and bathe and like where their clothes are mm-hmm. and and I used to think like oh I can have a laundry basket in my kitchen area like that's dumb but and ugly or whatever but then I did it and I was like oh see now there's not piles of laundry everywhere and I'm not overwhelmed by it so it's just like little things like that that I've had to let go of and it's more around mindset and then allowing myself to tweak routines yes yes I agree I love the idea of like, hey, this is functional for me, not necessarily typical, right? And so when I think about this, I've been reading this book that Lindsay and I are going to use when we prep our next season of the podcast that we're super excited about called Your Brain is Not Broken. Your Brain's Not Broken. Um, Strategies for Navigating Your Emotions in Life with ADHD. And it's specifically designed for um, adults. And then you can take the concepts and apply it to kids, teens. And then also it tailors some content for neurotypical people in your life. But I was thinking about this because it lists a whole bunch of different symptoms that you can see, right? Because everyone experiences neurodivergence differently. So some things will apply and some things won't. But two things that I really love thing. One is Lindsay mentioned rituals instead of a routine. So like when I say structure is suffocating, I mean, doing the same thing at the same time, every single day in the same way, that's not realistic for me to sustain. And then I go into this like thought spiral loop of like blame and like, why can't I do this? And I'm never going to reach the things and be the spiritual, peaceful being that these people said I would be if I did this stuff every day for two weeks or whatever, wherever I'm at. Right. So I do something similar where I have a flow where it's like, I have a general idea of the things that we do, for instance, after school and after work, and then the grace to shift them around to what feels best for my energy and to respect that. And so like, sometimes we bathe and sometimes we do dinner and then bathe. Sometimes we bathe and do dinner, like whatever and works for me. Yes. And I think being able to change the flow with like the seasons of your life. That's what I see a lot. Some people get stuck in a routine or flow that worked really well at one season of their life, like their summer flow. And like, I have a hard time with season transitions because my entire flow changes. But once Mm -hmm. I get in the groove, I'm like really excited about it. So it's like my workflow changes, my home flow changes and like being aware and adapting constantly rather than like pigeonholing yourself into this one morning routine or this one way of doing things. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not always going to be functional, right? It may look good or sound good, but it doesn't mean it's functional for your lifestyle. And then the other thing that I really appreciated, and this might help our listener or people generally in our audience, um, learn to problem solve. Wait, 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 first. First, for those of you that heard last week's episode, I would say that Lindsay and I have a superpower of adapting, adapting, in which most people that are neurodivergent have to adapt. So look at us go. 
So do you want to hear a family motto? Yes. The short inversion. Yeah. Adapt and overcome. (gasps) I love it. It's a Navy SEAL thing. I think it's a Navy SEAL thing. Tim, it's Tim. It's all Tim. It's not me. But he says that to our kids all the time. So we just say it like whenever shit goes wrong. We're like adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. Adapt and overcome. And I'm pretty sure it's a Navy SEAL thing. I'm going to look it up while you're. Look it up. I love it. I love family themes and things that we can help our kids identify their superpowers. Look at you guys go. Badass parenting. You might yes, not have even it is known. the unofficial. Oh, improvise, adapt, and overcome is the unofficial slogan of the Marine Corps. Excellent. Not the Navy SEALs, but the, the Marine. Corps. It was something. It was something. It was some <laughs> highly trained military. I am a highly trained parent. Um, okay, so the second thing that you mentioned, and I think so would be helpful for our audience, is finding a metaphor to describe your experience um, being neurodivergent. So, like some of the ones in the book talked about how one person feels like their ADHD is a mischievous elf that just comes in and moves stuff around or takes things when they're not looking, and then they have to figure out where it all is. And so through using these metaphors, they were able to identify maybe specific struggles and then come up with specific still skills to overcome that. So like in my life, I bought a freaking key hook and I hung it on my wall because I kept like one time I lost my keys for a week and they were hanging on a hanger in my bedroom closet. Like I have, I don't know how they got there <laughs> and so that. Um, and like categorizing things to make it easier or creating a flow that's predictable of where stuff is. So like I have one drawer in my house that I call the junk drawer, which everyone has, right? But it holds very specific things. So like if I need a patch for any type of inflatable, it goes in that drawer. Like it's the anything drawer. And like, I know that that's where my patches for inflatables go. (laughs) Yes. And another thing for me is I need things to be visual Mm -hmm. Like I need to see stuff to know I have it. So I've been working on like my closet and like my kitchen pretty much are the two, the two things where it's like, okay, I need to see, be able Mm -hmm. to see everything. So whether it's buying like elevated, like a spice rack, so I could see all the spices. So I'm not buying repeated spices over and over, just like simple tweaks like that, that kind of take a long time to implement. Cause it's like here and there, you know, I did the medicine cabinet and I, everyone has a little box and like, there's like a cold box and like a flu box and yep. like a whatever, you know? So yes, same. Absolutely. So there's a couple things, but yeah. <laughs> okay. You ready for the next one? Yep. I think this is our last one, right? Our last one today. Uh, yeah. Okay. Last one today. What advice would you give to moms who deal with mom guilt 24 seven? Oh my gosh. Um, first of all, my advice would be to cry in a hot tub with a glass of wine. Mm, yes. With I don't know. I'm like, you need Oreos. Like I just, I instantly, everything in me is like, you need to take care of you. You need to take care of you. Because if you're, if you're experiencing mom guilt, then on some level, you're having a parental burnout where you're not enjoying parenthood or motherhood the way that it's meant to be enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Sometimes too, I think it's circumstantial and we have to understand that like there's things in life we can't control. Like Mm -hmm. if you have to work and you feel mom guilt about being away from your kids while you're working you probably have very little control over that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 
doing some work around like, okay, how can I be, if I feel guilt around that, how can I be more intentional with my time when I'm with my kids can help alleviate some of that guilt because the guilt might not be being away from your kids, but that you don't feel like you get to spend time with them. Well, how do you want to spend time with them? How would it feel good to spend time with them? Yes. And maybe that means putting your phone away, undistracted playtime. Maybe it means connection time in the evening. Maybe it means switching up your family flow. So you do family breakfast instead of family dinner. That's okay. Um, Yeah. It's practical. It's functional. If it works for you, I'd also like, what are your expectations for yourself? Like, what do you specifically have mom guilt about? And then what are the expectations and are they realistic for the reserves you have to give? So like one time I had mad mom guilt about not preparing a specific type of lunch for my kids. And I was thinking that they were getting a lot of comments from the school and like all this stuff. And I was like, okay, so my expectation is (laughs) that these people are wanting them to have this all organic free range, crunchy, crunchy oatmeal lunch. And I'm like, I don't have the reserves to prep a specific lunch, like two dinners every night. And so I, that like, that just isn't a realistic expectation for me. And how can I let go of that? How can I be okay with what I have the resources within me to do? I also think uh, moms feel a lot of guilt over feelings that we have that are normal in motherhood, but people don't talk Mm -hmm. about frustration, resentment, presenting your kids or being upset at your kids, or sometimes not liking your kids or feeling like Mm -hmm. you don't like them. You, and I don't think it's actually that you don't like your kid. It's probably that you're burnout or that they're having a difficult time with something, but Mm -hmm. we think, or we feel these things. And then we feel really guilty. Like I shouldn't feel this way about my kid. And I just want to remind you that it's probably a normal feeling for the most part. And it's probably temporary emotionally. Yeah, absolutely. I think too, if you could connect, so there's this like thing that I loved when I was pregnant that they called the seven sisters. And so basically it was identifying seven natural supports in your life. That seems like a lot, right? It's a lot and not always realistic. It's like my mind went to hippies. I'm so sorry. I'm like, that's okay. But natural supports in your life where you can share these feelings, because when you find a community that can empathize and understand your experience without judgment, right? You feel less guilt around experiencing those emotions. Like it's normalized for you. You're not weird. You're not a horrible mother because you feel those things. It is normal, a normal human emotion. And it is a common struggle in motherhood, but we need to be able to find people in community to be able to express that, to create that sense of universality. Yeah. And to feel safe enough to say that. And then to have the person probably say back to you, I felt that way too. Yes. You're not absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Those were my questions. That's it. All right. Well, we are just at time, which I think is absolutely perfect. So thank you guys so much for being here. Lindsay and I cannot say how much we appreciate you. There are not enough words in the English vocabulary because I'm not bilingual to express our appreciation for each and every one of you that participate on our Instagrams, look at us at TikTok, you know, respond to our emails that let us know that what we're saying and what we're doing resonates with you because we, the purpose of what we do is to help moms, to help moms and parents make parenting realistic and real and to validate the things that we're experiencing so we don't feel so alone. Yes, we are all in this together. 
yeah. high school musical right now maybe that's, that, that's where that came from in my brain we no that was in like the depths us. of like the fire and cabinet <laughs> on my brain and it just came out and we see that okay well thank you guys um if you haven't yet please catch up on our last few podcasts about the nervous system because i think that we're about to dive some more into that like it is a theme this year so we're going to dive more into that most importantly it's about taking care of you so you can take care of your kids and show up as the parent that you want to be so thank you guys so much I have nothing else to say. Love you. Bye. Bye.